hey, I'm Pastor Kevin, and we are starting a new series today called Hashtag Blessed. And I don't know if you knew it or not, but you are blessed. You might think, well, I don't feel blessed. We're going to talk about that too. But So we're going to talk about the realities of what Christ has done for us. Uh, I don't want you to think that this is a, a financial uh, kind of a series based on what we're going to talk about today, because we are going to hit that aspect of it today because it's included in being blessed and living the blessed life, but it's not all there is to it, right? How many would agree that there are some things money cannot buy? And thank God for those things where he takes care of us so abundantly in so many different areas. So anyway, uh, having said that, I'm going to invite you to turn to three passages of scripture that we're going to read today. The first one is in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. As we start this new series, I'm going to quote the modern prophet Bruno Mars, who said, blame it on Jesus, hashtag blessed. And I understand that that uh, in millennia past, in the book of beginnings, which is what we call Genesis, the book of beginnings, I, I, I had a Bible school professor who taught us that in the Old Testament, so when I say old and new, I'm talking about testaments, in the old, the new concealed, in the new, the old revealed. And basically, he's just saying that everything that we have as reality in the new covenant is also in seed form in some type or shadow in the Old Covenant. I believe if you take it a step farther, you can find everything that, you, that we see in Scripture, we can find it in the book of beginnings, in the book of Genesis, in seed form. It's where it all began. Genesis just means beginnings. So we believe in new beginnings, and hopefully if you need one, you can find one here today. So the first thing that we see God doing in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image. Did you know you look like God? No wonder you're so good looking. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look like God. Now, just clarity, you're not him, but you're made in his image, right? So if you ever wanted to know what God looked like, ta-da, just look in the mirror, right? So he says, let us make man in our image. And so in the image of God, he made them. And he says, let them have dominion. So not give them or let them take dominion, let them have it. It's not something that you're trying to get. If you're a Christ follower, it's something that you already have. Somebody say, I got it. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. So you can take dominion over the fish when you go fishing. Uh, over the birds of the air when you go duck hunting. Over the cattle. That's, that's deer hunting. You only know all this in the Bible, did you? And over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have dominion over creeps. <laughs> so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them. The first thing God did after forming and fashioning us in his image, the first thing he did was he blessed us. I think that is setting a precedent, don't you? So he blessed them, and God said, be fruitful and multiply. This does not sound like a scarcity mentality here, but fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion, and again, he lists everything we're supposed to have dominion over. So if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, Write this down, because this is the sermon series in a sentence right here. We're going to sum it all up, and then we're going to expound on it. We were built for blessing. The moment he finished making us, he blessed us. You are hardwired to walk in favor, to walk in good success, and to walk in abundance. Now, notice I said good success. There's a difference in success and good success. That's a whole other sermon for another Sunday. But how many know that you can succeed because whether you are a Christ follower or not, because you're made in God's image. But you may succeed at the wrong thing. You can climb the ladder of success and discover it's leaning against the wrong wall, right? So when you have good success, that's when it's leaning against the correct wall. That's when you're, you've discovered your destiny and you're actually walking in the will of God and you're fulfilling that God-given purpose and destiny. And I know you know this, but my job is to remind you that 
you're not here by accident. You are not an accident. You were not an accident. I don't care what anybody's told you in the past. Like, oops, we were. A, you might have been a surprise, but you're not an accident, okay? Now, God knew you were coming, and he's, he's planned a divinely inspired plan just for you and just for your life. And one thing that we get excited about around here at Harvest Church is helping people discover that plan and discover that destiny. I want you to turn to John chapter 10 and verse 10. That's the second verse we're going to look at. So if we were made for abundance, why does the enemy, Satan, fight us so desperately to keep us in darkness and to keep us in fear? Let me just say this. Fear is not the opposite of faith. Fear is the opposite of love. Because perfect love casts out all fear, just like light casts out all darkness. Perfect love, the God kind of love, casts out all fear. If the enemy can keep you in fear, he can keep you out of faith. Now, one step out of love is a step out of God, because God is love. He doesn't have any love. He is love. It's not what he has. It's what he is. So when we walk in love as Christ followers, we're walking in who we were made to be in Christ. We're walking in Christ because God is love. So the enemy tries to get us in fear. What does fear do? Fear holds and hoards because it's afraid and it has this poverty mentality. I'm not talking about finances, but having a poverty mentality affects a lot of areas of our lives, including relationships and et cetera, doesn't it? Or jobs like, oh, I better not resign this job or, or go for that promotion. I better just be content with what I have because this might be as good as it gets. No, when you have a spirit of faith, when you have an abundance mentality, you live life with an open hand instead of a clenched fist. So uh, I want to talk about in the coming weeks, how do we experientially enjoy being blessed? Because you say, Pastor, you tell me I'm blessed, but I don't feel blessed. My experience doesn't tell me that I'm blessed. Well, I'm going to talk to you over the next few weeks about how to walk in the blessing that you already have if you're a Christ follower. If you're not a Christ follower, we'll tell you how to take that first step as well. And if you're not a Christ follower, we're super glad that you're here today. In fact, we did all this for you. John 10.10 10 says this, the thief, that's another name for the devil or for our enemy, the thief, he does not come except to do three things, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So when the devil shows up, he's trying to steal something from you, kill you or someone you love, and destroy dreams and purpose and destiny. That's what he does. So never make a deal with the devil. He doesn't keep his bargains, by the way. And by the way, God doesn't make deals. You can't negotiate with God. He says, this is what I want from you. I want your life. I want it all. Well, God, I'll tell you what. I'll give you 50%. I'll give you 51%. And he, and he does not negotiate. He's an all or nothing kind of God, right? <clears throat> He's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. You ever heard that? So don't make deals with the devil. He would love to negotiate with you, but he doesn't keep his bargains. He's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I am come that you may have life and that you may have it how? More abundantly. That sounds like God, doesn't it? Doesn't sound like fear. I'm going to read it to you from the Passion Translation. I'm pretty excited about this new translation called the Passion Translation. It says this, but I have come to give you everything in abundance, everything in abundance, more than you expected, life in its fullness until you overflow. That sounds like God's plan, doesn't it? Life in abundance until you overflow. So this week, let's strategize the first step of living hashtag blessed, okay? And again, this is not a financial giving kind of a series, but I am going to lead off with talking about the power or how to tip the scale in your favor. And as Christ followers, a lot of people miss this because it does take faith. And faith, without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? So let's talk about it. How many of you, you would think that living blessed would include some form or level of financial freedom, and you wouldn't mind aspiring to financial freedom? Anybody? 
Okay, great, about 12 of you. All right, the rest of you, you're going to want this before we're done, I promise, all right? And you're like, Pastor, I know what financial freedom is. That's being debt-free. Well, it could indefinitely include that for sure. Uh, or like one of my sons says, financial freedom is having racks and stacks, and that's big facts. Um, I know what financial freedom is. That's using Dave Ramsey's envelope system. And it could definitely include all of those things, and we're, we're for all those things. But actually, it seems that people that have lots of money, this is just in my experience. Uh, I, I've realized today I've been doing this for almost 30 years. I started when I was six-ish. <laughs> but in my experience, by observation, it seems that people that have a lot of money tend to worry about it more than those who don't. Um, all right, this isn't in my notes, but I'm just going to give you some free material. You ready? <laughs> Bonus material, more like it. Um, poor people don't really have money problems. Because they don't have any money. It's no problem. People that have money tend to have more money problems. Now, here's a verse that a lot of people misquote. The love of money is the root of all evil. Or no, they say it this way. They say money is the root of all evil. But it's not. Money is neutral. It can be used for good or evil, right? It can be used for ki the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. So it's the love of money that is a root of all kinds of evil is what the verse actually says. Now, I have met a lot of people that don't have any money, but they love it. And there's a lot of evil in their life. I've met people with a lot of money that love it. And there's a lot of evil in their life. So the goal is not to love money. The goal is to love God and trust him for your protection and your provision. That's how you get the scale to tip in your favor is when God says, I will personally take responsibility for your protection and for your provision. That's a good deal, isn't it? How many of you would like to go through the rest of your life knowing that your security detail is in place and that there is an account with resources in it that's available to you? That would kind of put things at ease, wouldn't it? I'm going to tell you how to get the scale tipped in your favor to have that today. Some of you aren't going to believe me. I can't do anything about that. Let the ignorant be ignorant still, the Bible says. But I'm going to tell you the truth, and it will make you free if you will choose to believe it. Now, this is going to be a lot of fun, but notice this. I'm going to tell you one more thing, okay? We don't love money, but I want you to make a confession. Do you all trust me? Most of you do. All right. Some of you are like, I don't know, man. I don't know what kind of shoes those are, but I'm going to try to trust you. All right. Here we go. You ready? I want you to say a confession with me. You ready? Say, I don't love money, but money loves me. Okay. Now, just let that ruminate for a couple of weeks. I know, Pastor Kevin, if I could just win the lottery, there's power in the Powerball. Come on, Jesus. Give me the right numbers, Lord. <laughs> Can I just say this? For some people, having more is not a good idea. I'm going to just leave it there, all right? Because prosperity destroys a fool. So one of our goals is to not be a fool. And the reason it destroys a fool, I said I was going to leave it there, but I'm meddling. But the reason it destroys a fool is because it gives you more resources to self-destruct. You have a bigger budget. You can buy more dope. You can hire more whatever, you know, fill in the blank. Whatever you think destruction is. You got more resources, which is why a lot of times when people pray, oh, God, bless me, help me, I'm struggling. That's why you don't win the lottery. That's why you don't get that inheritance. That's why you don't get a windfall or the you know, publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes. God doesn't come to your door. You think, well, if God wanted to help me, that's what would happen. No, he starts by working on your character so that you can be <clears throat> trusted with resources that he does send your way. Because if he sends them your way, before you're prepared, it causes damage and not blessing. Okay, so just know that God is answering your prayer. It might not be like you want him to, but one thing I've noticed about him, he doesn't always do what I tell him to do. 
but he will supply my need. And sometimes my need is different than what I perceive. Okay? So, what is financial freedom? It's God meeting your needs and protecting you. He's protecting you financially, protecting your family. It's provision and protection. Everybody say provision and protection. I think that includes food and shelter and clothing and and actual protection as you travel and live. He takes responsibility for the consequences. I had like a minor minor miracle. Is there any such thing? It's kind of like being a little pregnant. I don't know. Anyway, I had a really cool thing happen yesterday. I was working in my yard, and that was a minor miracle right there. But anyway, (laughs) I was picking up sticks. We've preached on that here recently, haven't we? And I had one pile of sticks, and I had another one. And as I sat them, I just kind of dropped them. And when I did, there was a stick that, that jumped up, and it hit me in the eye. And, and man, and I, I knocked off balance, and I'm trying to find my way back up to my house. I couldn't see him. I felt, I felt uh, what I thought was blood trickling down my face. And, I, and immediately I said, Jesus, you're my healer. And I just said, thank you, Lord, for healing me. I finally I got into the house. I walked up my stairs. And I'm thinking I'm probably getting blood all over everything. And, and uh, I get to the sink, and I could keep saying, Jesus, you're my healer. Jesus, you're my healer. And, fi- and I couldn't turn the light on because the light hurt my eyes. And so finally I got everything dried and padded, and there was, there was no blood, but I could see where I hit myself in the, in the eyeball, sorry, y'all, and, uh, and on the side of my, so, and I felt like I'd scratched it real bad. So I put some drops in my eye, and I went to sleep, got up this morning, and I felt like I couldn't get my eye open, so I went in, and I thought, oh, Lord Jesus, this is going to be interesting today. And so I felt like I had something, you know, that scratch in my eye, and I just kind of, finally, I got my eye open, and I wiped it, and something came out of, out of my eye. I couldn't see it. And uh, today, thank you, Lord Jesus, I got two big, beautiful blue eyes to see you with, my love. That's my wife, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I was not talking to the blonde. I was talking to the brunette. <laughs> Just to clarify. <laughs> Although he does have great hair. I got This is our friend Jordan, everybody. He's our other son. So how do we tip that scale? Everybody say tip that scale. All right, so we're limited. We can only be in one place at one time working on one deal at a time. But how many know that Jehovah Jireh, that's God, he, can, he lives outside of the realm of time. He can be working on multiple deals at a time on your behalf. He's not limited by time or space. So how do we tip the scale in, in our own direction of him providing for us and him protecting us? You might think, well, Pastor Kevin, I love Jesus. If I just have more money, my marriage would be better. If I had more money, I could do more for Harvest Church. If I had more money, I, I could help our mission in India. I could help our outreach in Battery and all these other places. I, I could put air conditioning in the outreach truck. Come on, somebody. If I just had more money, Pastor Kevin, it would tip the scale in my direction. But actually, it, it goes further back than that. And we're going to talk about three things today. And our third and final verse is in 1 Kings chapter 17. So number one, God knows what you're facing financially. Everybody say, God knows. Now, in this story, we see uh, there is a, uh, a man of God, and he proclaimed a famine or a drought in the land. And he, we're in 1 Kings 17, and it says, you know, maybe you've heard the story about Elijah, and he goes to a brook, and he drinks water from the brook, and ravens fly in fresh bread and fresh meat every evening and every morning. So everybody else is in a recession, but he's living large, right? But then it says in verse 7, 1 Kings 17, it happened after a while that the brook dried up. You ever felt like your brook dried up? Sometimes that could be God nudging you to take a step of faith to do something different because he's he's glad that you got water and food and meat, but he's trying to get you to another level. How many know another level takes a different step? You got to step up to the next level. And then it says in verse eight, then the word of the Lord came to him saying, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So God was already talking to the widow because she must've been Praying, Lord, I'm a widow. I lost my husband. I don't have an income. I got kids. I'm in a tough spot. And God says, I got you, girl. I'm going to send you some provision. 
And when he shows, I don't know what God said to her. I'm just pretending in my mind or imagining what he said. But I'm going to send you a man of God. And when he comes to you, just do what he says. He's like, oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So he arose and he went. So Elijah took a step of faith. She took a step of faith. And when they had come to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks, picking up sticks. And he called to her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. So notice that phrase, I do not have. You have to stop focusing on what you do not have. And then she says, I only have a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. So at least she had the wherewithal to recognize what she does have. Stop focusing on what you don't have and start being thankful for what you do have. And she said, and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son. What does it say? For myself and my son. That we may eat it and die. Now, that's one house party I wouldn't want to go to. Underline that in your Bible. If you have an old school Bible like me, or if you have the phone app, then highlight that verse. But notice this phrase, for myself and mine, eat it and die. If you just eat what you have, it's all it will ever be. But when you sow a seed or plant it, then you release its potential to multiply and become more. That's why we started in the book of beginnings, the book of seed, where God made a man, planted him in the garden and said, I bless you. Now be fruitful and multiply. God has blessed you and he wants you to be fruitful and multiply. How does something multiply? More seed gets planted. Now, you can be unwise and you can give yourself into poverty, but there's a balance that I want to talk about today, hence the scales. Now, Elijah said to her, do not fear. So what, he's trying to get us out of fear. God's trying to get you out of fear. Do not fear. Do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Would you all say that word with me? First, would you draw a box around? I have a green highlighter box around that word in my Bible. First, make me a cake first and bring it to me. First, bring it. First, bring it. Bring it to me. Now, this took a lot of faith on her behalf. And then he said, now afterward... You go and make some for yourself and for your son. And she was probably thinking, if I bring you some first, there won't be any for my son and myself afterward. That's why it took faith. So, do you think God knew her situation before he sent Elijah to her house? Mm-hmm. Do you think God knows your financial situation today? God knows if you just lost a job last week. He knows if you're going through a divorce and everything's being split down the middle. He knows if you had a financial emergency and you barely have any medical insurance or none at all. He knows your situation. And so he's still saying, fetch me a little water and a piece of bread. And I'm going to put this in the PK translation. That's Pastor Kevin. And she said, I swear to God, I don't have anything to give you except a pancake. And we're about to go split that and die. And he says, okay, but bring me a pancake first. Why first? Whatever, wherever you put God first. Wherever you invite him into. When you put God first in an area of your life, you're inviting him into that area of your life. And wherever he comes into, he blesses and prospers and provides and protects. Let me say it again. Wherever you invite God into by honoring him with the first, he comes into that place. He only accepts invitations. He comes into that place first, and then wherever he comes into, he prospers and provides and protects. So, for example, if you put God first in your marriage, he will come into your marriage and he will provide for your marriage, prosper your marriage, and protect your marriage. 
if you put him first, when you not just sending your kids to church, but you bring them to church because you're honoring God, you're putting God first. And when it comes to your kids and your family, he provides, protects, and, and prospers your family. Uh, the, the last couple of weeks, uh, probably a week ago, we had probably one of the most challenging weeks in our family in a decade at least. And it was, ever had a rough week? <laughs> it was a rough week. And so the enemy does not like you. Did you know that? He's a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And so um, sometimes we get so stressed out by our circumstances that we get so focused on our situation that we fail to stop and take a little time and lift up our eyes to the hills from where our help comes from, like the psalmist says. In other words, we get so busy with life that we, we forget about the one who gave us life. So anyway, we, we both have a chair, and my wife usually makes it to her chair first in the mornings. So the other morning, we're going through this rough week, I, come, I make it down to my chair while she's still in hers, and I slip my hand across to her, and I say, let's hold hands, baby, and let's pray. I know that sounds really spiritual and romantic, but it was like, dear God, let's pray. And so we get about 60 seconds into our prayer, and something comes up, interrupts us. We have to stop. We have to go handle four or five things. No kidding. An hour later, she's like, all right, oh my God, I've got an appointment. So I gotta go. I'm like, listen, get back in your chair. We're going to finish the prayer. She said, I don't have time. I said, we don't have time not to. It's, now, this was not two and a half hours of Pastor Kevin and Pastor Adrian down on our face seeking God. This was a five-minute prayer. But we decided, we're going to put God first in our marriage and in our family, and we're going to pray. And so we sat down in our chairs, we grabbed hands, and we prayed about the situation. The peace of God, I was going to say the peace of God came on us, but it really, it's already in us. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It came out of us, and it started working. Our situation didn't change, but we did. Why? We put God first. And where you put him first, he comes into. And where he comes into a situation, he brings peace and prosperity and provision and protection. So we prayed for five minutes. Now, I want to say our situation changed, but it didn't. Let me tell you when it did change. It was later that night when my wife was fed up. Not with anybody, but with the situation. Have you ever been fed up? And she got mad. I'll just tell you, I know from experience, you do not want my wife mad at you. She got mad at me one time, and I don't ever want it to happen again. So she went into our bedroom and loudly closed the door. <laughs> and then you could hear her behind the closed door. She was um, praying at a loud volume, and I was happened to be. I was on my way up the stairs, and I got there. I got to the door, and I heard her in there. I'm like, I think I'm just gonna let that sister have some alone time. And I turned to walk away, and my 18 year old son comes out of his room, which is next door. He came out, and he said, "Is she okay?" I said, "Mm-hmm." He goes, "Well, I need to ask her something." I said, "I wouldn't do it right now." He said, what is she doing? I said, mama is taking care of business. Because this is what I could hear behind the wall a little bit. I, I could hear, uh, uh, just muffled, I could hear, in the name of Jesus, boom, you get under our feet, devil, boom. And she was stomping her feet, and, and I don't know if she was throwing stuff, I don't know, I didn't go in. But then about 15 minutes, 20 minutes later, she came out all prim and proper, like nothing had happened. And I'm telling you, that was the beginning of our breakthrough. Now, let me, let me just exhort you as a very pastoral, um, practical application in this for you. And that is this. So many Christians, and they love God, I have no doubt. And they wonder why they're struggling. And the devil, he's just attacking me. And I don't understand. And I, just, I, I even give offerings at the church. And, and I'm good to people. And, oh, God, please help me. And God, if you could hear him, if you'd read the Bible, you'd hear something like this. I've already done for you everything I'm ever going to do for you. Now it's time for you to do something for yourself. Now he has not given us a, a lack of resources to do something for ourselves. But instead of, oh, the devil, he's attacking me. Please help me. No, you have, you have to do what my wife did. You have to say, because I know people go through hell. You have to say, hell 
No. Heaven, yes. Now, devil, you better back up off my family in the name of Jesus, and you get a little attitude in the spirit. What are you doing? You're using the greater one on the inside of you to resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. You got to submit to God, because you can resist the devil all day long. But if you hadn't submitted to God, guess what's going to happen? Nothing. He's going to keep kicking your blessed assurance all over the place. Now, until you submit to God, you can't resist the devil. But some of you didn't even know you could resist the devil. You should resist the devil. Otherwise, he will just run amok all in your life. Um, I'm, or I'm thinking about getting some T-shirts made, by the way, since I've already uh, stepped in it this morning. I'll just tell you all this. Um, don't tell this first service crowd, okay? So can y'all keep a secret? <laughs> so uh, I'm thinking about getting some some harvest orange T-shirts made, like for our serve teams and our outreach teams, especially our outreach teams. But and, and the reason we get orange is because that's like our church color. It's a great marketing color, and it harvests, you know, like in the fall, orange. It's not it has nothing to do with Auburn. I just want to make that clear, especially after yesterday. But. You notice all the empty seats this morning. <laughs> Auburn fans didn't come to church today. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Church splits have happened over last. I need to be careful. But orange is like it's the bright. It's a good marketing color. And so we thought about getting. We're thinking about getting some T-shirts made that say because uh, you know people they do they go through hell. So the shirt would say um, loving the hell out of mob town, and then it would say uh, hashtag Harvest Church or something like that. What do you think? Like it. Some of you are like, I thought you said we were going to church, Ethel. Where are we this morning? <laughs> Blue-collar comedy tour. All right, let's get, get back to the Word. That'll help us. Amen. <laughs> so wherever you put God first, you invite him into. Wherever he comes into, he blesses and prospers. If you put God first in your marriage, that's where he blesses and prospers. If you put him first in your finances, he blesses and prospers. Quick survey. How many of you get paid once a week? Ooh, that wasn't near enough hands. All right, let's go. How do you get paid every two weeks? All right, there's more of us. Yes, that's where I'm raising my hand. How do you get paid once a month? All right, wow. How do you get paid once every six months? And how do you get paid once a year? How do you just trying to get paid? <laughs> okay, all right. That explains a lot. All right, so, so <laughs> okay. Whenever you get paid, it's a test. Every paycheck is a test. This is a test, only a test. It's like... Just like when the widow was looking the man of God in the eye, and he said, hey, sister, bring, uh, bring me a pancake first. And she's probably looking at him, and she looked back at her son, and then she was looking at him. She thought, I can either feed my son, or I can bring this man of God who doesn't dress normal, and he's a little eccentric. I can either bring him a pancake, because he says God said, I just got to trust him. I can feed my son, we can eat it and die, or I can bring this man of God a pancake. So every time, so what you do first, it's a test. Because how do you tip the scale in your favor of God's favor, provision, and protection? I got 10 bags here, 10 bags of money. Money, money, money. But when you take the first one, that was the one on the top, the first one. And when you honor God with the first, see, remember, whenever you give God the first, he comes into that area, and wherever he comes in, he blesses and prospers. So when you honor God with the first, it tips the scale in your favor. Now, you might be thinking, Pastor Kevin, uh, I have a master's in finance from the University of South Alabama. I don't know what kind of math you're doing, but that is not how math works. It is in God's economy. And I'll tell you why. Because Jesus is God's first. And God gave his first. And when he did, it tipped the scale in mankind's favor. How many know that Jesus outweighs the rest? Amen. He, what you've done is outweighed by what he has done. 
You might accidentally cuss in church, but if it's because of Jesus, thank God. Blame it on Jesus. Hashtag blessed. I'm telling you. My wife's joked about getting the t-shirt made that says, I love Jesus, but I cuss a little. <laughs> and I can't confirm or deny whether she does, but because here's how it works. When you give to your mortgage company first, you're saying, thank you, mortgage company, for giving us this loan so we can have a roof over our head. When you give to the credit card company, you're saying, I honor you, credit card company, for my lattes and my weave. (laughs) Thank you, auto finance company, that I don't have to walk everywhere. Thank you, Little League Sports. So whoever you give... The first two is who you honor and worship. If you're taking notes, jot that down. If you're tweeting, tweet that. Who, whatever, whoever you give the first two is who you honor and worship. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a mortgage. There's nothing wrong with having a car or a car loan. There's nothing wrong with having weave. But the only problem is with all those things, none of them can supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I am saying weave, not weed. I just wanted to clarify. I've already made enough mistakes speaking today. I want to just make sure you know what I'm saying. So no matter if you have $5 or $5 million, it all came from God. Did it not? So, oh, Pastor Kevin, I disagree. I worked for that. Well, who gave you the ability to work? Well, I'm special, talented, and have gifts. Well, where did that talent and gift come from? Nobody paid my way. I pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Who gave you your bootstraps? I mean, come on. I'm telling you, your heart is beating right now because God told it to. Everything we have came from him. And I I have an announcement to make. There's plenty in this world to go around. It's just in the wrong hands. But I'm going to tell you, I'm telling you how to tip the scale in your favor today. Everything you have belongs to him. So the question is, who's on first? So we said, number one, that God knows what you're facing financially. Number two, God knows what tips the scale in your favor. So if I make... If you make $2,000 a week, then the Bible says bring all the tithe. Tithe is a Hebrew word, T-I-T-H-E. It means a tenth. Bring the first bag of the ten bags. Bring it to God. Now, it doesn't say give it to God because how many of you can't give something to God that already belongs to him? We said it all came from him. It It all belongs to him. I don't know if you all realize it, but we're down here on the planet as as a tenant. And Adam gave the lease to Satan, and so Jesus came and got the lease back. And he's going to show us what it looks like for a man to rule and reign in the earth, because Jesus is the God-man. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. It's called a, theologically, it's called the hypostatic union. And I just say that so y'all know I actually went to Bible school. But nonetheless, he's going to show us what it's like for a man to rule and a human to rule and reign on the earth. Since Adam messed it up for us, now we can be in Christ and we can rule and reign with him. He is the first. He is the tithe of heaven. And so if you, have, if you make $2,000 a week, you bring $200 a week to God through the local church. And then when you do that, it tips the scale in your favor. You might think again, that's not how it works, Pastor. That's not how it adds up. We're talking about a kingdom economy here. So if I had to add up on paper, if it has to add up on paper before you can obey God, you're going to remain a spiritual infant until you die. Now, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I just want you to know that some folks, they've been saved for 35 years or more, and they wonder why they've never progressed any further, but this is the reason why. If it has to add up on paper for you to do it, then you take the faith right out of the equation, and you're never going to do anything. Hebrews 11 says, without faith... It's impossible to please God. I'll just, I just want you to know, most of the decisions that I have made in following Christ and his plan for my life have seldom, if ever, added up on paper. Let's start with the most basic one. To be a tither financially, it doesn't add up on paper. 
In fact, people say, I can't afford to tithe. Nobody can until they tithe. It's a paradox. Now, my, the Lord said, go into the ministry. I was like, Lord, ministry? I was thinking like rock star or something. I mean, <laughs> ministry. But it didn't add up on paper. But the Lord said, do it. So I did. Then the Lord said, I want you to go to India and be a missionary. Well, no. I mean, <laughs> that's not a good career move, Lord. And so that's what we did. It didn't add up on paper. We took our one-year-old, we took our baby, and we moved to the, one of the poorest cities on the planet and planted churches and Bible schools and orphanages. And it didn't add up on paper. But how many know when you step out by faith, the impossible becomes possible? Then we're over there being missionaries, and God said, I want you to come back, and I want you to pastor this church in Mobile, Alabama. Now, if you don't know the history of our church, at that time, it was not a good career move to come back and pastor this church because it was a million and a half dollars of debt, approximately, 80 upset people, and an ugly building. Nobody in their right mind, which is probably why God asked me to do it, but anyway... <laughs> It, was, it didn't add up on paper. <laughs> I'm going to brag on my... Uh, excuse me. I'm going to brag on my brother-in-law for a minute. <clears throat> Who's here? He moved here, and he became our youth pastor for $50 a month. A month. Not a day. A month. It didn't add up on paper. But he came here... And he followed God. And I believe there's a blessing when you step out by faith. And there have been dozens and hundreds of teenagers that have come through this church that have been, and people that have come through this church that have been blessed by him and his family. It doesn't always have to add up for you to obey. And most of the time, it's not going to. So I'm not trying to convince you to do something logical today. That's why I love my job. I don't have to be logical. I just have to be, I just have to uh, uh, hear from God and obey. And that's, that is the bare minimum requirement of being a Christ follower. He talks and we obey. He talks, we hear, we obey. That's how you summarize it right there. So let's get back to doing some, some kingdom math here, right? If you make $4,000 a month, you were thinking, all right, I make four G's a month. I like Pastor Kevin, and I like Harvest Church, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put 50 bucks in the plate when it goes by. I right, appreciate it. But if you want to honor God and put him first, then you're $350 a month short of honoring God. What you did is you tipped God. Now, nothing wrong with tipping God other than tipping God does not tip the scale in your favor. Let me tell you how some really smart people try to uh, outsmart God. And uh, because, you know, they, especially people who own their own business. And so your company pays for your car. Your pump company may pay for your house and your office complex. Your company pays for your, your, your health insurance and all that. That's all great. Nothing wrong with any of that. But your bring home salary is $40,000 a year because it helps you save taxes. It's smart and it's legal. You can do that. But your company profited $1.2 And that's wonderful. So you honor God with $4,000 because that's 10% of $40,000 of your salary. But your company made $1.2 million profit. So if you want to honor God, don't tip him with the 4000 You honor him with the tithe of the $1.2 million. And if you need to know what 10% of that is, see me after the service. I'm really good at doing 10% math because it's just my line of work, right? <laughs> you say, well, your business will do more than you can fathom if you'll honor him with the profits of your business. Now, understand, if, if it's not your business, you, you can't do that, so that's called stealing. But if it's your business then mind your business and honor God through your business. Number three, God knows what you're facing in the future. You don't know the future, but God does. Now, this woman in the story, she honored God with the first, and then we see in a few verses later, her son gets sick and he dies. Now, let me just tell you something real quick. There was a connection between the man of God raising that boy from the dead and the pancake that she gave him. The pancake seemed really difficult in the moment, but not near as difficult as her son going through a crisis. But because she honored God with the tithe, with the first, she invited God into the rest of her life. And when crisis struck, 
God was there to revive and breathe life back into her son. One day, something is going to try to die on you, but because you're a God honorer, he's going to breathe life back into it. He's going to revive that which you love because you have honored him. Now, in conclusion, I'll tell you this quick story. When I was a youth pastor, I made my salary after I got a raise. After two years, I got a raise, and my raise, after my raise, I made $1,208.34 a month. You multiply that by 12, and you see what my annual income was. And so rent was $400 because of the generosity of a lady in our church here, and it was, she normally got 500 bucks, but she wanted to bless us, so it was 400 bucks. Our, our car that had the massive uh, tank bumper on it that uh, Gramps put a big bumper on our car. Anyway, our car went home to be with Jesus. Actually, I don't know if that car went to heaven. But anyway, <laughs> we had to get another car. Our car note was $300. And we ate at Nan and Pops a lot. They kept us alive. Um, but I would not trade the lives that we ministered to for a car or for a house. All the teenagers that we... I mean, some of those teenagers now are missionaries and ministers and entrepreneurs and moms and dads and country artists and all kind of cool stuff. I wouldn't trade any of that for what, we, for what we went through during that time. Now, we didn't have any health insurance, and my wife got sick, and we took her to Spring Hill Hospital. And we, she stayed in the hospital for about 24 hours, and we incurred an $8,500 debt. And I was like, girl, we could have gone to the Ritz. <laughs> Felt better, probably, when we got out <clears throat> for a lot less. But she got sick. We didn't have any insurance. And so we, said, we told them, hey, we're going to pay you, but we don't have any insurance, so we can, here's our salary. Here's what I make. I can pay you $25 a month. So we were on like the 1,000-year payment plan. <laughs> and we were believing God to be debt-free because we felt like we were called to go to India and that sort of thing. Anyway, um, one December, early December, um, we were believing God. We would paid it down to about 8000 And I called Spring Hill, and I said, hey, I'm sending you our monthly payment, and, and uh, I'm Kevin. I owe you like $8,000. And, and I was wondering if you could just forgive us. And the lady, she said, <laughs> I'm sorry. What did you say? I said, I was wondering if you could just forgive us. She said, uh, Reverend Cooley. I was actually embarrassed that she knew I was a reverend. But <clears throat> she said, I've been working here for whatever, 18 years. We have never once forgiven anybody. She says, but I'm so um, um, humored by your audacity, I'm going to you know, run it up the ladder to my boss. I can't make those decisions, but um, uh, what's a good number to call you back? So a few days later, maybe a week later, we came in one night, and the, <clears throat> the light on the answering machine was blinking. Um, kids, an answering machine is a little box that... <laughs> Ask your grandparents when you get home. They'll tell you what it is. So anyway, I hit play, and it said, Reverend Cooley, this is so-and-so from Spring Hill Hospital. I really don't know what to say other than... Christmas came early for you this year. Merry Christmas. My boss said, you're forgiven. We're going to send you a letter in the mail of confirmation. You don't owe us anything. Have a wonderful uh, rest of your year. And so my wife and I had a Pentecostal celebration right there in our, in our living room. $8,000 just wiped away just like that. But I'm telling you, we honored God with our tithe. I've been tithing since I was seven years old. I used to get a $1 allowance, and I took a dime to church every Sunday. And then when I learned about missionaries, people on the other side of the world preaching the gospel, I took more dimes because my cost of living was really low back then, so I could give a higher percentage of my income. <laughs> But, but I'm telling you, I've been doing this since I was seven years old. And it works. It works. Here's how I want to close today. The scale not only shows how our tithe tips the scale in our favor when you put God first, but I told you, God sent his only, he sent his firstborn son. God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give? He gave his first and he gave his best. And what did that do? It tipped the scale in our favor. So when you bring your tithe to the storehouse, I think God opens the windows of heaven and pours out blessing on you and rebukes the devourer because it reminds him of when he gave his first and when he gave his best for you. It's just like when we took communion. It represents Jesus. But when we give our tithe, it represents Jesus and what God did for the world. Now, you don't have to be a tither in the New Testament. You don't have to give 10% to go to heaven or anything like that. But there is a special blessing reserved for those 
who tithe. Just like there's a special blessing for those who receive communion. So I want to invite you today. If you're not a tither, take the step of faith. God gave his first and it was enough. Enough to save me, to make me a brand new creature in Christ. And when you make him your Lord, you're accepting that gift that he gives. So today we're going to receive an offering in a minute. But first, the most important offering that you can ever give God is you can offer him yourself. Because that's what he really, really wants. He doesn't need your money. The church might, but he doesn't. He needs you. He gave his first because he wants the rest. He wants you. When you give that, listen to this, the last kind of nugget I'll, I'll say today, but when you give the first, it redeems the rest. God gave his first so we could be redeemed. Would you bow your heads with me today? Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that by your spirit, you would draw people by your goodness to your son, Jesus. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I'm going to pray the prayer of salvation. And if you need to make Jesus your Lord, please join me as we pray. I'm not going to make you stand up. I'm not going to make you come forward. But if you say, Pastor, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Just real quickly so I see who I'm praying with. Just lift your hand up. Let me see who you are. All over this room, those watching us, got you. I see your hand. I see your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six. God bless you. There's people watching us online right now. Pray this prayer with us right now. Harvest Church, let's say it today. Say, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for giving your first and your best for me. Jesus died on the cross for me. And you raised him from the dead. And I declare, Jesus, you are my Lord. From this moment forward, I may not be perfect, but I'm perfectly yours. Fill me with your spirit. Give me power to live this new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we just do a little celebration for those who raised their hand and prayed that prayer today? Yeah! That's what it's all about.